Praise the Lord. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. If if I was to make a promise to you, 99% of the time I would keep that promise. You know, I won't say 100% because a number of things could happen to prevent me from keeping a promise. But I would say knowing me, 99.9% of the time I'd keep that promise. If you're someone, a relative, your mother, your father, your boss, or someone makes a promise to you, then you can have a fair chance that the person will keep that promise. Well, we're going to talk about God today and God's promises, because God's promises are 100%. He doesn't make idle promises. If God promises something, he, he, he keeps it. And um, we're going to talk about the fact that because of those promises, you've been uncaged. You've been set free. You've been liberated. Okay? You do not have um, uh, anything to keep you hindered and, and, uh, and shackled. In the Bible, there are over 3,500 promises listed or written. And in the Bible, the word promise itself is used over 50 times. But as far as the promises that God talks about, over 3,500 promises are made. The problem is, is that do we believe God's promises? Do we believe God when he promises something? And do we understand the length and breadth of those promises and what they actually mean to us today in the 21st century? There have been books. I mean, I have a book in my library at home that has all the promises of God, and it's a good two inches thick because it goes into a lot of detail. And one could look at those promises and theoretically, you know, intellectually understand, yeah, God makes promises. But then after you finish reading a book like that, do you really take those promises and and think about how I can incorporate them into my day-to-day life here in the 21st century? I recently read read an article about a zoo here on the West Coast. And an employee in the zoo saw this cage, and it had some really, I won't say totally rare, but it had some uh, hawks, I think they were red-tailed hawks, uh, in a cage. And it was kind of in, in a back room. And they were in this back room because these birds were, were, were there and actually forgotten about almost. I mean, I guess someone was feeding them, but they were part of a, uh, of a poaching case that the state had against some poachers. And so they weren't out on display, and they were just kind of back there. And this employee was worried about them, you know, dying in captivity, and he really didn't know how long they had been there. And so he decided to accidentally leave the cage open because he had concern for them being there. Accidentally accidentally left the cage open. Later on, he came back an hour or so later, and to his surprise, he was shocked to see that the vast majority of the hawks was still in the cage, even though the door was wide open. He was shocked to see that many of them there were there. They refused to leave because that cage had become their home. They had become accustomed to it. They had gotten used to living a caged way of life. They had actually forgotten what it meant to actually be free. So eventually he just kind of gave up and just left them there. Now, I don't know what eventually the article didn't pursue how long they were there or if anything was done. But think of the concept, though, of these birds. Now, you know, I've, I've had parakeets. One time the kids had loved birds and so on like that. And if you left that cage door open, they'd be out in a heartbeat. Okay, but these animals were there so long they refused to leave. So with us, each day we have the opportunity because of the fact that we have been set free based on God's promises Every single day, we have the opportunity to really trust in God's true biblical promises 
and live in the freedom that we have through our relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been uncaged. You've been set free, you know. And every single time we have a worry, every single time there's something that we're dwelling on, we have an issue out there, a problem that we're trying to solve and we're worrying about it, you are encaged. You're being caged. You're in bondage. The Word of God speaks a lot about being in bondage. So you have to realize that through our relationship in Jesus Christ, you've been set free. You've been liberated. You've been liberated and the caged door has been opened. But too often, we would rather have the comfort of familiar surroundings and routines instead of the unlimited promises of God's true freedom. You know, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about about how, you, you know, when we're being blessed and, and, and things are going better in your life and things are going smooth, that all of a sudden you start waiting and you're feeling happy and you're feeling free, that we actually get into the habit of saying to ourselves, wait a minute, why am I so happy? Why am I feeling free? There must be something I'm missing. There must be something I should be worrying about. Because you become so accustomed to worrying when you're free and you're happy, you think there's something missing. You know, I don't know how many times before I retired and was going to work and everything, and I'd be in the car driving and, and I'd, I'd pat my hip. Oh, I got my wallet, pat my chest. Oh, I've got my pens and glasses. And there must be something that I'm forgetting. You ever go out of the house and you feel like there's something that you're forgetting? And you're wondering what it is. And I, 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 do I have everything? Well, so it is in our lives. When God relieves you from a burden and takes something away from you that you are worried about, then all of a sudden, you, because, you, because of the fact you become so accustomed to worrying, you start be saying there must be something I should be worrying about. Many times God will lead us into places where we feel overwhelmed. But in every single case, one promise was given by God himself. And that is that I will be with you. Many times we have places and think times in our lives where we just feel totally overwhelmed. We forget that this feeling of, of being overwhelmed, God is with you. God has not deserted you, and that is indeed a promise. Not a promise of comfort or convenience necessarily, okay, but God did promise to walk with you through all or, or any overwhelming scenarios. See, but we oftentimes forget that. Let's go to Isaiah 41. Let's go to Isaiah 41. We want to, want to kind of dig in today. And look at what is God really, really saying and how can I use that and incorporate it into my day to day thinking, especially when you've got challenges going on. And in this day, and I mean, like there were, were always challenges for God's people. But it seems like in this day and age, it just seems like we have less time even to think about or pray about our challenges. Isaiah 41. And we're just going to go to verse number 10, because verse number 10 says a lot. So highlight all of this or, or put a bracket around it, but it starts with fear thou not, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will upload, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Okay, now. When you first read this, you read it as a, as a scripture that God is saying something. But let's analyze this in terms of promises. First of all, God says right off the bat, fear thou not. So do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He's telling you, do not be afraid, for I am with thee. Now, that's a promise right there. God is saying that I am with you. He's not saying maybe. God is saying, I am with you. So whatever's going on in your life with this lack that you're experiencing or whatever it is that you're worrying about, don't fear, okay, because God is with you. Then it says, be not dismayed. 
Again, he's saying, do not be worried or taken aback, for I am thy God. Now there, that's another promise to you because he's saying that I am your God, meaning that I will always be your God. God is not saying that I will be, I am your God on Tuesday. Come Wednesday, maybe I'll be your God. Come Friday, mm, maybe. In the middle of trouble when you really got an issue going in life, eh, maybe I'll be there. He's God all of the time. He says, I am thy God. And it says, I will strengthen. There's another promise. I will strengthen thee. Okay, in other words, he will uphold you. He'll provide strength. The thing about it is that when we have a real burden that's going on in our lives, something we're wrestling with, a decision we have to make, or maybe someone is coming against you, or there's an issue at work, or something you have a hard time dealing with. If you're really, really worrying about it, 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 it can take a physical toll on, toll on you. Where you feel burdened, you feel like you're carrying a sack. I always think of, think of uh, that book, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, you know, where the backpack the guy was carrying got bigger and bigger. Well, when things are really going on in your life, you feel burdened down, all right? But then what God is saying there is that God will strengthen you. So if you can remember that when you're feeling weak in the knees and weak in the spirit and you don't know how you're going to overcome whatever is going on in your life, whatever this thing is, is you're wrestling with, first of all, remember that God is there with you. He's standing by your side. He knows what's going on and he'll give you the strength. So where you may not feel like getting out of bed in the morning, you may not feel like taking that drive to work, you may not feel like going to the store, whatever it is that's going on, God will give you the physical strength as well as the spiritual strength to, to, to move forward in what you need to do. Then he says there, after strengthening you, he says, yea, I will help thee. All right, so God is saying right there, I'll help you. I mean, you can't put it any more plainly than that. Whatever it is that you're wrestling with, you're not there to do this by yourself. Okay? Now, I don't know... If anyone has been through, I remember again back in, in New York on those cold, snowy, stormy winters. I remember one time the car that I had at the time broke down. Broke down. And I mean, it was nighttime. I'd gotten home from work and whatnot, and I was trying to get home. And I was on the side of, of a highway. The car broke down. I managed to get over. And I had some jumper cables. And as the cars kept speeding by, going on the side of a highway, so you know they're going at high speed, and I had these cables, all I could do was stand out in, in the light of the headlights of my car, holding up the cables, hoping that somebody would come by to give me a booster. And talking about feeling helpless, okay? Now, this is New York. It had to be, I don't know, 8, 9 o'clock at night, because I worked late that night, I remember. And the snow was coming down. It was freezing. I had my parka, the hood up. And here I am standing on the side of this road. And all I could do was pray and talk about feeling alone. OK, I mean, there's hundreds of cars out there, but they're all going by and people don't like to stop. As plain as that. They don't like to stop. I stood and I simply prayed, Lord, I need help. And surely enough, a few minutes later, a car did slow down and um, he came to it. He pulled off the road. I saw his lights, red lights. And then I saw him starting backing up like that. And he said, you got a problem? Do you need some help? And I said, yes, I do. And praise God, he helped me to get the car started, and I finally got home and so on, okay? But talking about feeling helpless, all right, in, in the middle of, 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 of traffic like that, when you know no, the chances of someone pulling over is very, very slim, that's almost feeling helpless. But God is there to help you. So what I'm saying here, when God says, I will help thee, no matter what is going on in your life, God has made a promise to you that I will help you. He goes on to say, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So that means that he'll strengthen you and he will hold you up. God will give you support for whatever it is that you're doing. Because his presence to help is over, 
over us, beside us, inside us, around us, and underneath us to hold us up. Your temporary fear, and I say again, your temporary fear and discouragement loses its power over you. You see, when you are encaged and being in bondage to fear and, and, and feeling of helplessness and not being able to accomplish whatever you're praying about, if you remember this promise, that these promises that God has made, then those things don't have any power over you. You understand what I'm saying? Because once you start realizing that God is there and God has made a promise for you to be there, then that thing that is holding you and giving you this fear, then his chains, those chains around you get broken up. Instead, encourage and strengthen and strengthen uh, uh, courage and strength will flow into you, even when it feels like life is falling apart. A couple other scriptures here. Let's go to Psalm. Psalm 23. Good old Psalm 23. 23rd Psalm. Praise the living God. You've been uncaged. You've been set free. You've been liberated. But we oftentimes forget that we've been set free. We forget that God has made a promise. Again, I say that if I make a promise to you, 99.9%, I'll keep it. But God is 100%. 100% if he made promises. And you know the 23rd Psalm is all about the Lord is my shepherd. But I really want to focus on, for our purposes here today, verse number 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Understand, underline that, please. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Underline that also. Okay? So though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no matter what is going on in your life, remember that God has made this promise that I am with you. Okay? You see? See, now, now, now what, what, what I should have, maybe, or, 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 or could have done, at that time, I was standing by that roadside and I was feeling so lost and so helpless. Maybe I should have remembered back then. I was younger, younger in my Christian walk, a babe in Christ. Maybe I should have pulled out that promise right then, standing there in that dark, cold night with the snow and the wind blowing around me, that God is with me. Okay? Though, though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm standing on this roadside here, don't know how I'm going to get home. I get this car slaughtered, that God is there with me. And that's what you need to get into your minds to remember today, that when you've got this issue going on and when you're sitting down, especially, you know, it seems like in the quiet times of night, when you're when everything in the house is, is, is off, TV is off and, and you're kind of laying there. That's when the world comes crushing down on you, when the things that you're worried about really falls in upon you. At that point in time, that's when you need to remember God's promise says that God is with me. And the minute that you start realizing that God is with me, you'll be surprised how quickly you'll go to sleep. You'll be surprised how quickly you'll go to sleep. If you just remember, and, and also the beauty of it is that God being with you, God, God, God is with you. Being that God is with you, even though you may close your eyes and go to sleep, God's not. God is not. God is never asleep. So he'll be there to watch over you. He'll be there ready in the morning to get you up and to get you going while you are asleep. Whatever in the spiritual realm that needs to be dealt with, whatever in the physical realm needs to be dealt with, God will deal with that while you're sleeping. But remember that promise that that he is with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that I will I will fear no evil. So you don't fear any evil. Don't fear those issues of life for whatever is going on around you. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. If we go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 33, thank you, Jesus. 
And these are promises, and God does not make idle promises. See, the funny thing is, you know, is that we don't realize that the uh, importance of understanding what a promise is that God is making. Um, the funny thing is, is that <laughs> we've all had to call Comcast, let's say, have them come to fix something or to install something in your house, and they give you an appointment time and so forth, and, and they, they don't give you an exact time, at least not anymore, so they start giving you a window, you know, between 8 and 12, 12 or 1 and 4 or whatever, okay, and then you're there. You may even take off from work, because you need that TV, <laughs> you need that internet, all right, so you take off from work, you drop whatever you're doing, you'll be there. And then you're sitting there and you're waiting. Okay, you look at the clock on the wall and it's getting close to the time. Okay, well, the window is starting now. You know, and you know you figure they're not going to be there on the, the, on the, the early side of the window. So you kind of sit back and you rest, you know. And then you get to the halfway point of the window and now you're pacing the floor in the house. Okay, you're pacing, you're walking around. All right, they said between so and so and so and so. And then you get to the half hour end of the window and now you're really getting steamy around the collar. This stupid Comcast, oh man, da 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 da, blah 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 blah. And then it's 15 before, you're really, you know, now. You're a Christian, so you're not exactly cussing, <laughs> okay? You're a child of God, so you're not exactly cussing, all right? But you're close to it, okay? I took off from work and so on like that. Then They promised me that they would be here. They promised me that they would show up. When I call the next day or later on today to complain, I'm going to tell that supervisor, he promised that he would be there. The representative promised they'd be here between 8 and 4. Promise, promise, promise. You were standing on that promise. You were expecting that that promise was going to be kept. Now, this is another man. This is a company. This is an organization run by human beings, by people. But you were standing on that promise, expecting that it would be kept. Well, this is God. God has made a promise to you. Think about it the same way that this is a promise that God has made. But you know what? God does not fail. If God says I'm going to be with you, then guess what? Whether you see it or not or see him or not, God is with you. When God says that I will uphold you, I will strengthen you. That's a promise. He's not Comcast. He will keep that promise. When you're feeling weak and you're dragging, you can barely make it through the day or the rest of the week because this thing that's hanging out there that you're not looking forward to is coming up or is coming up on you. God will give you the strength to get there because he is God and he's made that promise. And he says, have not, in the meantime, do not have fear. Okay? Verse 33, uh, chapter 33 of Deuteronomy 27 says, the eternal God is your refuge. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. In other words, his everlasting arms are underneath you. And, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before you, and shall say, destroy them. Okay? God is your refuge. A refuge is a place of safety. So when everything else is going wrong in your house, and I'm telling you, you've heard me say this before, there, there are times in a Christian's walk, walk that you just may feel kind of, out of sorts. And I can't describe it a better way other than maybe a little jitteriness or you're just not comfortable or something's wrong or, or whatever or I'm not at ease or something is going on in your life. Okay? And that's the time that's, that's the time that something is going on in your life. There's something cooking. 
could be someone or something spiritually that's coming against you, that's trying to give you a hard time from realizing God's blessing, that is the time for you to run to the safety of God. Run to God as a refuge. Say, okay, get up for off the couch or wherever you are, and if, if, if you, your wife, your husband, your, your cousin, your, whoever it is that you may be in the room with, uh, 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 excuse me, excuse me, take your Bible and go off to your prayer closet. Go to another room and get into the Word, because that's where you need the refuge of God. That's where you need the safety of God. That's where you need to, to go to go to God and draw on his strength. It says, your eternal God is your refuge, and underneath you are his everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee. The, whatever that enemy is that's giving you, um, that's, that's feeling your peace, that's feeling your joy, that's making you feel so worried that you're concerned about, that, that is an enemy. Because that enemy is trying to grab you. You've been set free as a child of God. You've been set free as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ. Asking Jesus into your life. You've been set free. You've been uncaged. But those things in your life, those enemies in your life in the form of problems, issues, worries, concerns, those are the things that w- in life that want to grab you back and bring you back into that cage. That's the enemy of your life. So you don't, you don't want to entertain that. It says that he shall thrust out the enemy from before you. You know, so we have to remember that he is, is our refuge. In, in Revelation 21... Let's go to the book of Revelation. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what was the verse there? Okay. Okay, now where it says here, um, looking forward here, uh, 21 verse number 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with you, and he and be their God. All right? All right? And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. This is happening. This is happening now. God is with us. God is with us. He is your God. We are his people, you see. But when we're in the midst of these things that's going on, we really forget that God has made this promise to us. All right. So, so we need to again shift. I've been on this thing over the last several weeks here where Holy Spirit has been, been, been putting in my spirit. And I've been, been trying to convey this to you as best as, as I can, is that we need to move and shift from the doctrinal thinking of men. Doctrinal thinking of the church, quote unquote, and I mean the man-made church, because we are the church, the body of Christ. But we need to get from, from doc, doctrine, from what's being talked about the word of God and, and what God is saying to us, to the deep spiritual truths that God is trying to convey to us. Because while we can intellectually consume this entire book, we can intellectually, you know, there are some people that actually have the mental capability of, of literally um, memorizing the entire Bible. God bless them, photographic memories and so on, okay? You can do that intellectually. But what is missing, though, is that deep spiritual understanding. And over the last several weeks, that's what I see Holy Spirit has been trying to convey to you, that we need to move to a deeper spiritual understanding of the deeper things that God is telling us in order for us to really, really succeed in life and to be victorious. We've got to get away from strictly what the words say and what is the deeper spiritual meaning there. 
The other one of the other promises that God made is that I will send my spirit. I will send my spirit, his Holy Spirit. Salvation and our free access to God's presence is what God has done for us through Jesus. The way we we receive it, the how is through the power of Holy Spirit. Okay, the way we, we receive it and the how is through Holy Spirit. God strengthens your life as you rely more and more on his spirit dwelling in you. The more you learn to rely more on him and take self out of the picture. Okay, if you could have fixed your life, if you could have answered every single concern, if you could have accomplished everything that you're praying for, you would have done it. You would have done it. You know, know, no one likes to go through life struggling. No one likes to go through life with the things hanging over my head that I have hanging over my head. Okay, you would have managed it. Okay, but obviously you can't. So that means that there's something greater that needs to be at work in your life, especially at times when you, you simply can't you can't go on. When you get to the point that you just feel so frustrated, you know, and how many at some point in life have, you know, just waking up and just said, oh, gosh, boy, oh, got this day ahead of me. And gee whiz, I got to go fight this and face this, you know, and you feel like just pulling the covers over your head and just going back to sleep, you know. And unfortunately, I mean, I'll really take this to the extreme. But unfortunately, some people have taken that feeling so far or let it go so far in their lives They don't get out of bed, quote unquote. They choose to take, quote unquote, the shortcut. They actually take their lives. They actually take their lives. They feel that life is so hopeless. This thing that I dread doing is so bad. What's the use? I can't fix it. I tried this, I tried that. I might as well swallow a bottle of pills or jump off the bridge or whatever. Now, that is the extreme. But we all have been at some place in our lives. And I certainly have been there, thank God, thank God, not, not lately, but as a babe in Christ, I certainly had those days, you know, where I just felt like, what's the sense? And not to the point of suicide, but just say, boy, I wish I could just pull the covers over my head and just go back to sleep. We all have challenging times. Don't, don't, make, don't, don't, don't believe or think now that I'm saying that I never have challenges. I still do. You know, as a matter of fact, the more you grow in the Lord, the more challenges the devil throws your way. And especially as a preacher and whatnot, he would love to shut me down. So he, he throws a lot of things my way, okay, because he likes to shut me down. But I have learned, though, how to deal with that, how to shut him up, how to rebuke him, how to bind him, how to cast him out, how to remind myself about the promises. Okay, God, you're here with me. Now you know what's going on, Lord. You see what's happening with this. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried this. Okay, Lord, you, you have to deal with this because I can't. Okay, simple as that. Okay, because God said that He would. You see, but the problem is, is the problem for, for, for most Christians is, 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 is me. I got meitis. I want to keep me injected into the picture. I want to keep myself. How can I fix this? Instead of simply stepping back and saying, and say, if, 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 if God wants you to be involved, then you say to God, then God, what should I do? How should I manage this? But the bottom line is that you're remembering that he's right there with you. You think God can't see that piece of mail you just took out of the mailbox that's bringing this bad news? You don't think God is right there when you receive that phone call where someone on the phone gave you something that's making your life more miserable? Okay? You think God doesn't see when your neighbor comes across the street and starts complaining about something, something, something? You think God is just absent? No, he's not. God is never AWOL. He's there. Amen. Amen. So, so, so we see here that, that, that God manages things um, uh, through the spirit and his spirit and his promises that I will send my spirit. And what could happen if you daily ask God to fill you with his spirit? 
You see here at church from time to time, as Holy Spirit so leads, I give you all of an, an anointing. What if you decided that each day when you got up in the morning, you're going to say, Lord, give me a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit to take me through the day. Try doing that if you don't already do it. You see what a difference it makes. You see that your outlook through the, your outlook through the day and on the day will be a whole lot different. You feel that you won't feel so troubled and concerned. What would happen if you just asked God to give you a fresh anointing day to day? What kind of turnarounds could you experience if you stopped trying to turn things around in your own power? What could be different if you asked God to make you feel alive again with his presence and power? What if you woke up in the morning and said, Heavenly Father, give me a fresh anointing of, of your spirit, Lord God. Give, give, give me your joy. Give me your power. Give me some strength. Help me through the day. What if you simply ask God that? You see? See, many times we as Christians think that it's important for us to, to, to spend some time at night in the morning or whatever praying about things, praying about people, praying about circumstances. But what if you prayed for, Lord, just give me strength today. Lord, I don't feel joy. Heavenly Father, give me a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit for joy. Give me your joy. Give me your strength. Give me your peace. Take me through the day and just let me be relaxed. What if you, what if you tried doing that on a day-to-day basis? God's promised you that I will give you my spirit. The word often used in the original Hebrew for spirit is, is ruach, R-U-A-C-H, ruach, in the original Hebrew. And that means breath or wind. God's spirit is as close to you as your own breath. We depend on every single breath, every moment of every single day. God's spirit is both untamed and principled. God's spirit is powerful and yet gentle. Literally, wind and breath. These two symbols suggest characteristics of our atmosphere, from whirling windstorms to peaceful breezes to the air that we breathe. God's spirit is present in all of this, all of it. When you accept Jesus and place your faith in him, he sends you his spirit, according to the word of God. Paul commands believers to be filled, unquote, to be filled with the spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. The Spirit wants to lead you into, into life, but you need to be willing to follow. I mean, literally, try something new when you're doing your prayers in the morning. And I'm assuming and I'm hoping that everyone here, when you get up in the morning, you just don't get up and brush your teeth and just go on and take a shower, whatever you do, and then leave. Okay? Many folks that are coffee drinkers, you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you don't leave before you have that coffee. <laughs> you don't leave before you have that cup of coffee. Matter of fact, people at work pray that you had that cup of coffee before you get there. Because when you get there without your coffee, <laughs> you're, you're a whirling dervish to crying out loud, all right? All right? So if you can remember and remind that I need to brush my teeth, I need to have my, take, have, have my cup of coffee, then what about reminding yourself to ask the Lord to give me a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit? Take me through the day. He's there to guide you. Ask him to fill you. Your spirit, the spirit wants to lead you. Now, the other thing, too, is that as you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and to guide you during the course of the day, you got to do something else, something you need to do. You need to do what Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If you're going to ask him to guide you, guide you and he starts guiding you, then you can't go doing things yourself. OK, you can't go picking up the burden and worrying about something after you've given it to Holy Spirit to manage. OK, one primary word, basic, necessary word. For living a spirit-filled life. Basic word. A very important word. For living a Holy Spirit-filled life. And that's surrender. That is surrender. Okay? You've got to surrender. 
You've got to stop trying to, 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 be, to do it yourself. You know, this is why there are so many, so many Christian songs, so many. There are psalms even in, in addition to, 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 to um, contemporary Christian songs, older Christian hymns that talk about raising my hands to the Lord. How many songs do you see that in? I raise my hands to the Lord. OK, because that's a sign of, of surrender. That's why when we're praising God and we're singing during praise and worship time that we're singing and we're praising it. And, and, you know, I don't tell anybody to raise it. I mean, that's got to be your feeling. If you feel in your heart, Lord, I'm surrendering to you, Lord. You take my life and do with it what you will, what you want, Lord. I just surrender to you. That is so important because what does surrendering do? It takes the me out of it. It takes the I can get this done. Okay, you see, once you once you decide to really get in your mind that I can't do this and you decide to to Lord, I give that's when God can roll up his sleeves and really start working miraculously in your life. Okay, but you've got to understand this is not a doctrinal thing. This is a spiritual thing. Okay, and 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 various man's doctrine will say it's not important for you to surrender to God. God is there. He's always going to bless you. Man's doctrine will say it's not important whether you raise your hands or not. Okay, but I find it interesting that there are so many references to the raising of hands, you see, because it's a spiritual thing. It, again, is saying surrender. Okay, and you can't have God in your life really, really um, um, acting and doing what needs to be done if you have me in there. So, so the word of God says at one point, there's, I think it was Paul said, let me decrease so that you can increase. Amen. Amen. So the minute that we learn how to surrender, then you can do that. When you feel tired, lifeless or parched for joy. This is when you need to need to think about that. Let's go to John, the book of John, chapter seven. John, chapter seven. Praise the living God. Okay. These are deep spiritual truths. And until we get past the thinkings. And sometimes I almost want to say ramblings of men relative to the word of God. You'll never truly be set free, you see, because the, the, the <laughs> I say ramblings, I say it kind of cautiously, but I see so many places and, and instances where, 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 where people that are talking about the word of God are indeed rambling because they're not giving deep spiritual truth. They're simply reading and parroting words back to you when they read from this from the page. But they're not giving you the deep spiritual importance that's behind those words that God wrote here. Okay, Uh, and, and just before we get to that, understand that the word of God as written. Is the inspired word given to men by the Holy Spirit. So that means that those words are life. So while the book that you're holding in front of you or in your electronic gadget there, the electronic gadget is, 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 is a bunch of, uh, um, you, know, you know, binary bits and things like that. The, the printed page that you have before you was, comes from a printing press. The words that were there were spirit inspired, which means that they're not just words. There's deep spiritual meaning behind them. OK. And that's what you've got to get to understand and have Holy Spirit reveal to you. What is God really trying to say to me here? All right. You look at this book that was was what was some fifteen hundred hundred years uh, uh, from cover to cover written by how many different authors. But yet still there's one common theme going through one common theme. Sixty six books. One common theme going through it. That has to be there. Therefore, there's one author, really. 
That's Holy Spirit. So the words that you're reading, the words we're talking about today are spirit anointed. So you've got to understand the spiritual meaning behind what the word of God is saying, not just some doctrinal words that someone is repeating back to you. So John 7, verse number 37 says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. OK, underline that, please. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, underline believes on me, he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But he spoke, but spoke he of the spirit, underline that, but spoke he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy, Spirit, Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay? Now understand the deep spiritual meaning, meaning that he's saying it. Saying that if, if you're troubled by anything, if you're thirsting, if you simply want to understand more, Lord, why am I, why am I struggling with this in life? Why am I going through this? Why are things going, gee, I just feel so blah, you know? Your spirit is thirsty. Okay? Now, we are quick to accept the fact that when you get thirsty, I mean, I have a bottle of water back here, that when I get thirsty physically, I need to drink water. Doctors tell us about the dangers of being dehydrated. You need to drink water. Okay? And when you get thirsty, you, no matter where you are, your body tells you you need some water. And you can try soda pop, coffee or whatever. The only thing that's going to satisfy you is water when you're physically thirsty. You know that very, very easily. But why is it that we don't understand that spiritual thirst? That's what Jesus is talking about here. Okay? That spiritual, spiritual thirst. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So you need to run to Jesus and drink. And if you believe on him, as the scriptures say, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit. Okay? So here we see now that Jesus is saying, partake of him because he is going to give you the Spirit. Now at this point in time, at, at this point in time, Holy Spirit had not been made available to them yet because Jesus had not gone back to the Father. Remember later on Jesus said that, you know, uh, um, he, he said he told them to go, to go to Jerusalem and, and in the second chapter of Acts and he went to the upper room and the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that I have to send my Spirit. But he said, I can't send him while I'm here on earth. Okay? So when Jesus went back to the Father, the Holy Spirit became available to all of us. And as a child of God, now you have Holy Spirit and you have access to him on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. So if you're thirsty, come to Jesus and he will give you a fresh filling. You see, the, 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 all of the equipment that you need is right there before you. OK, but but instead of, of me thinking about and being cognizant of the fact that the tools that I have is first of all, remembering God's promises. God is with me. God knows what I'm going through. And I'm going through this thing. Don't worry about it. The shadow of the valley of death. I will not fear what's there before me because God is with me. And then Jesus says, oh, man, man, if you're thirsty, then come to me. OK, Lord Jesus, I got this thing going on in my life. What shall I do? Give me your spirit. Give me a fresh anointing. Let me drink of you. You see, this is is taking you instead of taking you to the phone to figure out your problem or to the computer to type out your problem. This is you taking your problem, which your problem is, is, is generated and is of a spiritual nature to begin with. Okay? Remember Ephesians. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities of darkness in high places, all right? So the, your problem, your issue to deal with is a spiritual issue. So why are you going to try to solve it physically? You can't. So you need to go to the source. This is operating in God's spiritual realm. You need to go to the source of which you are a part. But you have to, you really got to break the mindset and really understand that you as a child of God, you've got your, your, your foot, your, your, your foot in, in, in two realities. You've got one foot in the very physical reality where this pulpit exists and stands. Okay. And your other foot is in the spiritual realm as a child of God. Okay. All right. And, and, and that spiritual realm is really more important than the physical realm because that's the source of everything. That's where God is. So when you've got this issue of life going on, this thing that you're praying for, this thing you're trying to fix, just remember that I can't fix this in a physical way. I've got to go to the source. This is Holy Spirit, guide me. What is it that I need to say and to do? And the thing about it, the interesting thing is that Holy Spirit wants to fill you. You don't have to live life just feeling out of breath all the time. You don't have to live life wondering where you're going to go and what you're going to do. Amen? John 3... Go to John 3. Praise the living God. John 3, verse 8. You see? John 3, verse number 8. The wind bloweth. The wind bloweth where it lists or where it wants to. And thou hearest the sound thereof. But cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest. You hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes or where it's going. And so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So you being born of the Spirit now, born again, child of God, the same way the Holy Spirit just goes where it wants to go, it goes where it wants to go, and you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's coming from. As a child of God, we need to be like that also. See, because if you're relying on the Holy Spirit, you're a born-again child of God. The Holy Spirit is in you. You ask for a fresh anointing. You've got this problem. You don't know where Holy Spirit's going to come from to solve it. You don't know where Holy Spirit's going to take you to get, to get rid of the issue. You don't know where. All you are saying is, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Lord, I surrender. I will go where your Holy Spirit takes me. In other words, I will do what he tells me to do. I will, will take whatever actions he takes me into taking. Okay? See, so, so, so the beauty of that is like, you know, it's like you getting on a, you have to go downtown from here, let's say, and you're, you know, you're not sure how to get there, and you're just saying, Lord, send me some transportation to get there, and you don't know how you're going to get there, and so on like that, but you just lay back and rely on God to do it. And that's kind of what we have to do with life. God knows the end game. God knows what you're struggling through. But you've got to take the me out of it and remember what God has promised. God says, I will give you my spirit. You've got to remember that promise and that he is indeed with you. The problem is, do you believe it? Because you have indeed been, been liberated. And let's go to Acts 2. And we know what Acts 2 is all about. But I want to just touch on it briefly here as we move on. Acts 2. Jesus promised to send his spirit. And then we see in the Acts chapter 2, in the uh, second verse there. Okay, well, let me, I'll just start with one, just to make it complete here. Uh, 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
interesting, in one accord. They were all in agreement on why they were there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so the same promise that Jesus said that I will send the spirit. He did. He kept that promise. And as you know, in the book of Acts, by that time, Jesus had been crucified and resurrected. All right. So Jesus kept his word. So that promise is there. You have indeed been liberated. One more on scripture on this uh, on this subject. And we go on to the last promise I want to talk about here today. Go to Ephesians five. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, God is, God is so good. Okay, and we're going to do, starting with verse 18. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Praise God. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, that be drunk with wine, which is wherein in excess, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Please underline that verse number 19. Please highlight it or underline it, bracket it. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, let me give you a spiritual truth about that. You got things going on in your life. You're feeling particularly down. Start singing and praising God. Speaking to yourselves. Start praising God and singing, even though you're by yourself. You don't have to be in a congregation with a room full of people to start singing spiritual songs. You don't have to be in a, a crowd of people with others singing along with you. When you're feeling down like this, now here's a deep spiritual truth that you need to grasp. When you're feeling down like that, do exactly what the Word of God has said. says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Evil cannot occupy a place where there is praising of God going on. So whatever spirit of darkness is there that is giving you grief, giving you a hard time, making you feel down, making you worry about where things are going to go, I'm telling you, you know, we've all got Walkman, iPods, or some kind of electronic device that can play music and whatnot, portable device. Put on some songs. I don't care if you're in the house by yourself. Put on some music. You've got your stereo. Put on some music and just start singing and start praising God. I'm, I, I kid you not. Just start singing and praising God. And if you're in a position that you can, you don't have neighbors living below you or above you or whatever, put it up kind of loud. So what? Amen. Amen. Enjoy. Enjoy the sounds of, of some good Christian music and praise God while you're listening to that. And I guarantee you, you will not, you will not, you will not stay in, 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 in a uh, with a dejected down uh, spirit. You will not. You will find indeed you, you will you'll be bolstered. Uh, matter of fact, Holy Spirit can start talking to you and giving you some insights on what needs to be done. But this is what the word of God here is, is saying. It's saying to you, all right, and it goes on to say here, um, uh, verse number 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that means then that also that you're, while you're praying God, while you're, you're praising God, you're thanking Him. You know, because believe it or not, I don't care what is going on in your life when you have a bad time and a hard time going on. Remember the blessings that you do have? Number one, you're breathing. Your heart is still beating. You've got a roof over your head. What's that old saying about, um, I complained because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet? Okay? So while you think your life is bad and things are going on badly, you're struggling with something, okay, you are indeed blessed. First of all, blessed because of the fact that you're a child of God and that you're not alone. Okay? You know, the, 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 the advantage that we Christians have over the non-believer or the unbeliever is the fact that even though we go through tribulations and Jesus said when you have, he didn't say if, he said when you have tribulations, okay, I am here, okay, is that we Christians, when we have these bad times in our lives going on, we don't lose all hope because we have God. We have the Lord. We have Holy Spirit. The unbeliever, the non-believer doesn't have those things. So when things start going wrong in their lives, there's no place to turn to. And therefore, all they have is me and the I. And that's why they promote and push themselves up first, because they feel they are the only ones that can solve the problem. The politicians out there, many of them and everything, it's, it's I have the answer to the problem. You start talking about God, many, not all, many of the politicians today will want to shy away from that. Okay, okay, but 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 if you start realizing that that I don't vote for me, vote for God. <laughs> okay, but many it's only it's all about me. If you stop, get the me out of it, get yourself out of it, and start praising God and singing psalms and praises to Him and thanking Him for what you do have, you'd be surprised. First of all, that thing that is such a monster, that Goliath that's in front of you, will all of a sudden become minimized and then disappear. In addition to that, Holy Spirit will then step in and tell you exactly what needs to be got done. He'll tell you and he will guide you. God's promise. Do you believe it? You've been uncaged. You've been liberated. The last promise here I want to discuss in closing here is I will bless you. The promise that says I will bless you. Think about the last time that you checked your bank account. Did you appreciate how much you have? Or did you struggle to cover all your bills? Or how about your job? Do you come home each day from work feeling energized and appreciated from the work that you did? Or does it feel like you barely have the strength to return to work the next day? Well, these are what are these are what is called uh, not enough moments. They're called not enough moments, not enough money, not enough time, not enough energy, not enough patience, not enough happiness, not enough joy, not enough peace. They're called not enough moments. No matter what you have, it feels you need more of it. And no matter how much more of it you get, it's still never enough. You know, you see some filthy rich people and whatnot, they just buy and sell and, and eat up companies and everything just because they need to have more. They feel like they, they, like, like they need to have more. So when you're in those times, it's called a not enough moment, you feel like you just need to have more of it. It's nearly impossible to share what you have when you're constantly worried that you don't have enough. How can you share, how can you give what you do have when you feel that you don't have enough? You look at everything through the eyes of scarcity, not having enough. You look at everything through, through I need more of. And this mentality destroys generosity, destroys contentment, destroys gratitude. But thank God there's another way of seeing life. Seeing life. The other way of seeing life is with an abundance mindset. You've got to change your mindset, an abundance mindset. 
This mindset declares that there will always be more than enough. That's hard to do when you look at your bank account or you look what's in your pocket and you say, I'm declaring that I have more enough, more than enough. But now we're talking about deep spiritual truths here. We're not talking about what you see with your eyes because we walk by faith and not by sight. The mindset declares that there will always be more than enough. It's the idea that generosity is spiritually wired into reality. Generosity is spiritually wired into reality. God is the source of everything good in this world. He loves to see his people well cared for. There's no scarcity, no such thing as scarcity with God, because God has no needs. God has no needs, but he supplies all. God has no needs, but he supplies all. Another deep spiritual truth for you to really wrap your mind around, your spirit around. God has no needs, but he supplies all. God has made a promise to bless us and to rebuke the devourer. And he shows us how this is done. We'll just go to, uh, go to old Malachi. Go to Malachi 3. And I need, I need, to, I need to speak on this um, because spiritually it's at the source of so many issues in Christians' lives. Is that the source of Christians? Because it's, it's a spiritual reality, and and if I don't share this and don't get it and don't share this out there, then it's on me, and I can't be the one for not sharing something that God has told me to talk about. Even though I myself, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly uh, enjoy talking about money. I take one offering during the service, and that's it. You don't hear a million offering goes going on. But if I don't share this with you and let you see this spiritually, then it's on me for not sharing it. And all I can do here is to let you see the truth behind what God is saying. Okay? And we start with uh, Malachi 3, verse number 7. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. Underline, please. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Underline, please. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Underline, yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And underline that in tithes and offerings. Okay. Now I will say to you that no one here in this room would think about robbing me. No one would think about robbing your neighbor. No one would think about robbing anyone else. But yes, though, we don't consider what is happening spiritually if we're robbing God. Nine says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be enough room to receive it. Now, underline the part there where it says, um, I will open up the windows of heaven. This is a promise and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That is that is a promise to God. And then the other part here is he takes the other side. God and says the other side. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And who is that devourer? That devourer is anything that is coming into your life that is taking away from you. 
Anything that's coming into your life regarding your joy, regarding your health, regarding your finances, regarding your plans for the future. That is the devourer. When the devourer comes, he takes those things away from you so that you cannot realize the benefits of them. And he shall and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit, cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. So he says there are a couple of things. He says, bring your tithes into the store that there may be meat and I and prove to me how he will bless you. That is a promise. God is not saying here that maybe I'll bless you. God is saying to, to, that he will bless you. And then the other side of that, if you're doing this part of what God is telling you to do, that he's going to, to take away those things in life that are giving you a hard time, those things that devour uh, your finances, your feeling, your health. How many know, realize that it's not just your finances here that can be impacted, but your health can be impacted? The devourer, because what does he go on to say here? He says, uh, um, in verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Okay, so that is now in, in the fruit of your ground in these biblical days here where, where most people were, were farmers in agrarian society. That means that, that their lands would be plentiful. Okay, the farmer lived by what his land could produce. That's how, you know, take the crops and they would sell them or whatever. Well, that's how they produce. So if your land was not being fruitful, then you were suffering. So that means then, so in modern terms, that could be your employment. Your employment would be bountiful. You'll have good opportunities. You will move up in the world, okay? Neither shall your vine cast off her fruit before the time in the field. Okay, so that means that the fruits of the field, you know. I also even look at that, I mean, a long time ago I was reading that and, and it impacted me with, with someone that I was praying for um, that was pregnant. And I was thinking about her pregnancy. And I was saying, looking at what this is saying, it says, And neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. And she had had a series of miscarriages. The babies just could not go the time that it should have gone. Okay? All right? So now, I'm not saying I don't know that whether that was, that was linked to her tithes and offerings, but I'm saying is that that was a devourer because she was going through a, a, a period there where she just could not seem to bring a child to full term. It was being cast forth. The baby did not stay. It came before the time, which is known as a miscarriage. Right. So I'm just saying it is that the word of God is that he shall rebuke the devourer. You know, we, we, we've all been, 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 been prophesied over, over at some time or Holy Spirit has revealed to you things that he wants you to do or what your future is going to be like or the work that God wants to, to lay out for you. But, you know, you can delay that by not adhering to this promise here and not actually this commandment, but also the promise by saying what God will do if you do honor him with tithes and offerings. He said, I will pour out the windows of heaven, the blessings to you. So by you not following that, then you open the door for that devourer. And the thing that someone prayed over you or what Holy Spirit said he's going to bring you to do, that can actually be delayed because of the fact that you're not doing this particular part of God's word. And therefore, you are not availing yourself of the promise. Okay? If I promise you that, that I'm going to, to, to come to your house at 11 o'clock and bring you, you know, a, a check for 100 bucks... And all you got to do is to be there and open the door for me. I can be there with the check, but if you're not opening the door, guess what? You can't receive it. You can't receive it. Because you're like, ah, maybe Michael will show up. Maybe he won't. You know, maybe this. You're not trusting me and promising that I will be there. Well, this is where this is at. Okay? And if, if, if you can trust God here and, and, and take up on that promise that he will, he will indeed, he will, he will provide. God doesn't need anything, but he supplies everything, you see. And the spiritual aspect of that is, you know, uh, um, many people say, well, well I, I go and I put this in the church basket. What does that have to do with that? 
What you don't understand is that what I was, was taught by my pastor in, raising, in being raised up is that when you have your tithes and offerings at home, you should pray over them before you even get to church. You should pray over them before you get to church. Now, I always pray over what I collected. You know that. But you should pray over them because you have the specific need that you're praying for. And you know that better than I do. So you should pray over those things. I remember back when I was ushering to show you these deep spiritual truths. When, and, and I was ushering. And uh, um, we'd be passing the plate down the line. And some people would want to put in, let's say, for instance, you know, a, a $20 bill and try and take a 10 and a 5 back out of the plate because they just wanted to give 5. Our pastor told us don't let them do that. Because that money, those physical bills that are in that plate, those people have prayed over. So you don't want that money, those physical bills, those tens and the fives not going where that person was intending it to go. Because now that person is taking that ten and that five that someone else had prayed over, taking that out, putting it in their pocket, and putting that $20 bill into place. They're not cheating anybody. They're not stealing anything, okay? But that particular money was prayed over. Okay, so there's there's certain spiritual truths here that are taking place in this written word of God that once you get in your mind that God really means this and he promises to do that, you'll see your life change. You will see you will definitely see your life change. God has given us this promise. I will bless you because without it, we will never have enough. You never do enough or be enough. God's blessings are the only cure for the not enough syndrome. The Bible holds powerful proof that God wants to bless us. Jesus' longest sermon in the Gospels begins with the Beatitudes. That, that's the one that goes, says, you know, blessed are they, blessed, blessed, and blessed, and blessed, okay? In the opening pages of Genesis, the very first thing God does after creating man and woman is to bless them. The entire Bible is filled with God's blessing his people. In the New Testament, Paul says that the most important promise God made to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 to 3 is passed on to you. That's where God told him to leave and leave the country where you are and go to a land that I will show you. And I will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. And you will prosper. Your seed shall be multiplied and so on like that. Well, that same blessing is passed on to us. Do you realize that as a born again Christian child of God, you are a spiritual Jew? You realize that? You're a spiritual Jew. Amen? Jesus was Jewish. Okay? You stop and think about that. That means the blessings of Abraham. We are Abraham's seed. Now, physically, you're not Jewish. Physically. But spiritually, you are. You're, you're a spiritual Jew. Because you are Abraham's seed. You see? So once you realize these deep spiritual truths and you start operating more on a deep spiritual level, you, uh, you'll see how things in your life can change. Okay? The last scripture we're going to go to is 2 Corinthians. Two Corinthians uh, chapter one. You just have to trust God. You just have to you just have to trust God. You've just really got to believe that everything in this book is spiritually and Holy Spirit inspired. And what God is saying in this book, if we follow and do what God is saying, starting with believing that his promises are indeed promises. Okay, like I said, you know, think about this throughout the course of the day. Me or think of anyone else that, you know, your parents or whatever. If they make a promise to you, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, they'll keep the promise. And I dare say there are some other people in your lives. I know I think of some people. If someone makes a promise to me, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen for all the tea in China because I know the history. Okay. Oh, I promise I'll do so and so. I say, yeah, okay, God bless you, God bless you. And I say, yeah, I'll hold my breath for that one. Okay. All right. We all know people like that. 
But then again, you know some people, too, that are pretty faithful, human beings that are pretty faithful in keeping their promises to you. Like I said, things happen. Things happen where a human being possibly can't for some unforeseen reason. That can't happen with God, though. If God makes a promise, it's a promise, you see. But spiritually, we Christians have a hard time understanding that because it's something that is we can't put our arms around. You can't touch it. You can't see it. You can't feel it. Okay, but you, you, you can't touch or feel the fact that um, if you've got direct deposit, that your boss, your, your company is going to put that check in the, in the uh, bank for you. We don't worry about that. Matter of fact, you start writing checks on that checking account <laughs> because you know the money's going to be there Friday. You start writing the checks on Thursday because that's how certain you are. OK, but what about God when it comes down to God? All of God's promises are exactly what he says. So we're just going to read one scripture here, then we're going to close. Uh, uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 20. For all, underline all, for all the promises of God in him are yea, underline yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. For all of the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Yea, all of the promises of God are yes and amen, of course, means so be it. Okay? So all of God's promises are yes and so be it. God makes a promise to you. He's saying, I promise to do this for you. Yes, I do. And so be it. Knowing that indeed it's going to come to pass exactly as he said. So move forward today thinking about that. How am I going to move into a deeper spiritual walk with God? The issues of life and the thing about it, too, is that you need to really incorporate this, what we've heard here today, into our spirits. Because while everything with you right now may be peachy keen, rest assured, because what Jesus said is true, okay, that you will have tribulations, that there will come a time in your life where you will have a challenge. Okay, and what you heard today could make a difference between how you manage yourself through that problem, right, or through that challenge. Amen, amen. Praise God. I pray that this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God without tithes and offerings.